Welcome to the Josh Bolton Show, where we dive into interesting and inspiring conversations. And now, your host, Josh Bolton. Here we go. So today on the show, we have William Brunham. Uh, I think I said that one correctly. We're Close go- enough. Good. Thank you, William. Um, we're going to go into his um, him as a SEAL transitioning to civilian, his Naked Warrior Foundation, and uh, wherever else the conversation goes. William, take right. it away. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you, William. So uh, first of all, Tell everyone where you're from uh, and what you're currently doing. So I am originally from Meridian, Mississippi. There's not a lot in uh, in in Mississippi. Uh, I've been back there a few times since I have uh, retired from the Navy, but um, I didn't really want to leave. You know, okay. I basically when I when I joined the Navy, I joined the Navy um, between my 11th and 12th grade of high school. I knew that I wanted to be some sort of a commando. You know, I had, you know, role models like John Rambo and Chuck Norris in Delta Force. John Wayne was a Green Beret in Vietnam, or at least in the movie Green Beret. Um, and, uh, and, and you know, I also watched Kung Fu Theater, so I also wanted to be a ninja when I grew up. So, and I was a Boy Scout. So I was always really interested in the outdoors, but I always knew I wanted to be some sort of a commando, and I also wanted to fly F-14s. And uh, I met a guy through the Boy Scouts and he was like, yeah, I want to be a Navy SEAL when I when I grow up. And I was like, what's that? He's like, well, there's, you know, like, you know, it's like Rambo, but they also do, you know, stuff underwater. And I'm like, that's cool. I like the water. I'm, I'm super interested in scuba diving and things like that. Now, today, I don't want to scuba dive at all. I like <laughs> I like free diving, but I'm not that I'm not a big fan of, of, uh, of scuba diving right now. Um, and so the, the Navy recruiter called me one day. Or actually called my grandparents' house where I happened to be that day. I answered the phone. I was like, hey, this is Petty Officer So-and-so from the Navy recruiting office. And I was just wondering if you've ever thought about joining the military and really joining the Navy. And I was like, actually, I want to, I was just talking to someone uh, about becoming a Navy SEAL and an F-14 pilot. He was like, oh, he was like, cha-ching, I got you. And uh, because they're all about numbers. They're, yeah. you know, recruiters are about recruiting people. That's their job. And so... I went down, I watched a super cheesy movie about, uh, you know, the recruiting video. And it was like, you know, four or six guys in like black wetsuits, like jumping out of a helicopter and landing in a, a little rubber boat. And then they took the rope boat into like a beach somewhere. And then they were the next thing you see them like looking at a building with binoculars. And then the next scene is they're like running out of the building with with guns and broad daylight and then this terrible like gci explosion happens behind them and i'm like yes that's what i want to do where do i sign how do i do it when do i leave i I haven't even graduated high school yet i'm like you know just graduated 11th grade uh you know i still have my senior year to go and i so i basically joined the navy um before i started my 12th grade of of high school and then when i graduated high school i left left for boot camp probably uh, four weeks later, something like that. July 14th of 1992. That does not mean that I'm old, but no. I saw you do the math really quick there. No, that's when I was born. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was December 31st, 92. So even longer. <laughs> I joined the Navy before you were born. That's all. <laughs> you did. I don't feel old at all. Not at um, all. You, you, you know, do really, not look this your age. Like, 
this is uh, kind of like feedback or payback, I guess, because I guess I've always like sort of hung out with older guys just because they're mentors and I'm always trying to learn new stuff. And, you know, they would be like, oh, I was in Panama or in Colombia or whatever on this date. I'm like, bro, I was in the third grade. <laughs> and they're like, shut up, shut up, Bradham. And uh, so, um, yeah, so now it's payback, I guess. <laughs> uh, I guess. No, and you, truly, you don't look your age, by the way. Thank you. Anyone looking at a video? He, I mean, he, I feel like I'm 25. You I look still, like you're 25. I, I like, I like, you know. I still am, I'm ready to go. Do you exercise every day? Just curious. Not every day. Um, I've gone through periods where I didn't exercise at all for like years. And, uh, and we could talk about that in, in a little okay. bit, but, but now I, I, you know, I, in my quest to not be a total loser in life, um, you know, I did like something really cool and hard and, uh, but then I went through kind of a, a down period, a little bit of depression, if you will. And uh, and I was like, dude, I have to turn my stuff around because this is just not OK. I, you know, have to like take care of family, I have to take care of friends, I have to take care of like I got I've got responsibilities and I still have the same drive and ambition that I had joining the SEAL teams and in the SEAL teams. I just don't have a mission. So what I had to do is I had to figure out what my mission was, my new mission. Because, you know, when I retired from the SEAL teams, I lost my mission. I lost my team. I lost my purpose. You know, every day I woke up, I knew what I was going to do. I knew what I was going to do that day. I knew what I knew what our mission was. Even if I was in an administrative role, I still knew, like, I'm supporting the guys that are going forward. I'm, you know, and then I would, you know, I'm making the teams better in my own way so that when I get back into a platoon or in a task unit and we're, I'm more on the pointy end again, I can, you know, keep doing that. But when I retired from the, from the Navy, I didn't have that anymore. I no longer had a badass team with the badass mission and, or people that were pushing me to make my, make me better and other people for me to push to make them better. And so I definitely, you know, I had a lot of baggage I, I like to call it baggage. So uh, I don't call it PTSD or anything else. You know, I've got some some baggage from work. I've got some baggage from like toxic relationships. And and the more people that I talk to, they most of those people have similar stuff and uh, similar baggage. And so what helped me kind of get out of that funk that I was in is I, I tried CBD for the first time um, and I didn't notice anything right away. But what happened is I maybe I slept a little bit better and I had a little less pain. Um, you know, I was a little less pissed off, I guess. And then after about a month of taking CBD, you know, I like to say water boils at 200 and 212 degrees. Uh, I was probably living at like 210 degrees. But after about a month of taking CBD, I noticed that I was no longer like at 210 degrees. Like I maybe dropped to like 205 to 200 to, to 190 maybe 185. And I was like, uh, my fuse just got shorter in my, when, when things would happen to me, when thoughts would happen, when I would get this nasty email from someone if, or whatever it was. And so I stopped taking CBD cause I used it for the first time and it, I had good results. Uh, and then pain also, like I still have a ton of pain. I'm, you know, 26 years uh, in the SEAL teams 
And so I'm, I'm pretty beat up. I've got some bumps and bruises. I've got some, I got some stuff going on, but, uh, you know, the pains that I have that are like sharp pains, they weren't quite as sharp. They were dull, more dull, but I didn't notice it right away. It was more like looking back, like I moved this way and generally I'm grimacing from the pain and, but it's not as bad now. Okay. That's, that's better. Um, and then I, you know, I, I finished that bottle of CBD that a friend gave to me and, uh, and, you know, I went back to my regular life and things started coming back. So I was like, maybe there was something to that. So I tried a different brand and I had, uh, you know, some, some good results, similar results. And then, um, I'm like, maybe there's something to this. And I went to a business conference that a buddy of mine was, was speaking at. And, uh, and I met someone in the CBD industry and I was like, so I want to, I want to learn more about this industry. I want to learn more about what this thing is, what's happening with my body, what, why it's so popular right now. And, and she was like, well, why don't you just start your own CBD company? And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. She's like, you're a Navy SEAL. You can figure it out. And I was like, oh, I just got called out by some total stranger that uh, <laughs> I need to figure my stuff out. Um, so I did. So I just Googled how to start a CBD company. And uh, so from there, I, I just did just a ton of research. I found out that the industry is like super dirty. Um, you know, many products out there on the market, they don't have, they either have high levels of THC, they have high levels of heavy metals, toxins, uh, mercury, lead, a bunch of crap in it. Because hemp oh, yeah. is a bioaccumulator, it pulls all the good stuff out of the soil, but all the bad stuff out of the soil. You know, they're using hemp at Chernobyl to clean the radiation out of the soil. That's just how powerful of a, of a bioaccumulator uh, hemp is. And so I found out that, you know, the FDA has gone out and done a ton of, uh, a ton of you know, sort of spot checks. And, and what they found is like 75% of the companies that they've tested, they don't have what is on the label or the companies are making all these medical claims and, you know, they may not even have CBD in their product. And so I went out and I searched to find the highest quality uh, providers that I possibly could in the, uh, or suppliers in the market. And so those are the people that I've partnered with. I continue to look for even higher quality suppliers and I haven't found anyone. So right now, as far as I can tell, I am partnered with the highest quality uh, CBD suppliers in the market. And that was how I started Naked Warrior Recovery. And so Naked Warrior Recovery, we have a, we have a mission of, of 22 to zero. And what that means is, is 22 veterans every day take their own life. And we've lost more veterans to suicide than we have in 20 years of sustained combat since 9-11. Yes, this, is, this year is, is the 20th anniversary of 9-11. So we've lost more, more veterans to suicide than we have to, to you know, 20 years of sustained combat. And that is, that is not cool. I mean, That's I not- saw my – I never thought about suicide, but I have many friends that have and have successfully taken their own lives you know, from the SEAL teams to, to my dad. And so, you know, my mission is to, to, to stop, to eliminate that if we can. Um, I know it's, it's a, it's a lofty goal, but why not shoot high and, you know, yeah. Why not shoot high? Yeah. Aim for the sun. If you, if you miss it, at least you hit the moon. Right. Exactly. Um, So just a side note on all that. Um, so I used to work at a military surplus store for like a hot week. I totally got fired for doing something stupid. <laughs> but um, the biggest thing, all the vets there for that one week, they all told me, they're like, we were strong enough not to do it. But at the time, I couldn't figure out what they meant kind of thing. But they're like, there's right. one thing the military never prepares you for. 
Well, one of them told me two things, actually. He's like, leaving it and realizing you're an outcast and a hated villain. But one of them, when he was in there, he told me, he's like, the other thing that the military really should tell us, but they'll never get people in, is when you get shot, it fucking hurts. Because he, he you know was what? racked. <laughs> you know what? I So an interesting story is I have been shot, but not in combat. Really? I was. And so that was like, you know, anytime, you know, bullets are flying or anything like that. Uh, I was shot when I was 15 years old, turkey hunting with my great uncle. And so, and, okay. and I, you know, it hurt, but it was really kind of like a, a softball or like a baseball getting hit with a baseball or something. And I didn't really know that I was shot. It was, you know, um, I was a little bit like, really, you, you shot me. And once I realized that he had shot me, I really tried to shoot him back, but he like hit me in the arm and the side of the face and it was a shotgun. And, uh, and my arm didn't quite work. So, uh, when anytime we, every mission, I'm like, I'm good. I'm definitely not going to get shot. Cause what are the odds of me getting shot twice in one life? It, it could happen, but all you other, you guys are, I mean, you know, uh, but when things start blowing up around Ooh. you right next to you, that's not cool. Like that's like, that changes the odds a little bit. So I didn't ever mind like, you know, being in a gunfight. I did. I did mind when things started blowing up around me. Even though it's cool in movies, it's not cool in real life. No, no. I mean, um, you know what? The first time, like the first one or two was cool, but the consequence of them, because it was like they were EFPs. This was in Iraq and an EFP is an explosive force penetrator. And basically what it is, is a, is a copper plate that is shaped like a, like a dome, like a dome. It's like a little, a cone. Mm-hmm. And they pack explosives behind it. And then when it blows up, the explosive chain travels down the explosive and it turns that copper plate into a into a, a projectile. And that projectile will cut through any armor on the planet, any armored vehicle on the planet. And uh, and actually, some army guys figured out that if they put jerry cans full of sand around their armored vehicle, then the EFP wouldn't push through it, wouldn't, wouldn't go through the sand. It would cut right through the, the armor of the vehicle. Um, so, and we've had guys that were like pretty much chopped in half by, by EFPs, but like the first couple, they were like, oh, that was cool. But they just barely like missed the back of the vehicle. So we're traveling in, in, in Baghdad at night, there's a gunfight happening, you know, off to the right. We went to, we were going to hit one target and then we were told to, Hey, go, we, you need, we actually needed to hit this other target. So we pulled in, we changed our route. We got back on the road and there was a, an army ODA and a gunfight over here. And I, we're sitting, so the way we traveled there, we had seven vehicles, seven Humvees. Uh, and in the Humvee, you had a driver, navigator, two guys in the back seat, and a guy in the turret. And then they were kind of like pickup trucks. So you had four guys sitting in the back. They were armored. The armor was not very thick. It wouldn't really stop much. Um, certainly not a direct, uh, a, a direct shot from anything. Um, it, we've, we had some glancing blows where it didn't go through the armor, but, uh, we're, we're just sitting there in the back of the truck and we come around the corner and I'm sitting there and I look out and I see a, a, and you know, you can see the gunfight and like explosions and all sorts of stuff, like right over here, like two blocks away. And we're, but we're not going to go get involved with that. We're going to our own target. And we come around the corner and I look up and I see a, a, a Iraqi police officer Start, like pick up his cell phone and, and like call someone. And I'm like that something about that is not right. I feel like he should 
not be doing that and I should take him out. I didn't. Um, okay. She just don't know. And uh, and it wasn't like 45 seconds later. Explosion, like right next to us. Boom. Oh, that was hot. Like you just feel the heat just like completely engulf you. And then like five seconds later, the second one. Boom. Like, dude, this is not okay. And uh, so and then we went to the target and did, did our other stuff, but that, that was, those were the first two sort of explosions. And I was like, that is not, and they're like, we're also getting shot at, but we're under street lights. So we can't see, you know, we're, we're wearing night vision goggles and generally we own the night, but it, when we're, it's at night and we're under bright lights, you can't see outside those bright lights. So we're right. at a disadvantage. There are people shooting at us from, we can't see where they're shooting at us from. We know there's a gunfight happening right over there. And when we got back, we saw like, the vehicles were were pretty shot up, but somehow none of us got hit during that little adventure. That that is definitely a divine intervention right there with all that going on. That was yeah, that was that was cool to not get shot. It was because if we wouldn't have the conversation. Yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. I've I've always been the curious one to talk to guys like you and hear stuff. Um so I, when people say, oh, it's cool. I'm like, mm, you don't know the shit they're going through. Like if you're watching it, it from cool a cool on TV, <laughs> right. It looks cool on TV, but the moment like they're like, oh, it's like battlefield. I'm like, it's not even fucking close. You don't have the adrenaline rush. You don't have the fear of everyone dying around you. There could be literally a random guy with a sword that just kills you for no reason. I'm like, your mind is racing. These, these dudes minds are honed to a whole new level. Like they are beyond war force. They're the ones forging you kind of thing. Right. And no one gets it. I'm like, this is so stupid. <laughs> like these poor guys are going through literally hell. And we're just like, oh, it's it's so cool. It's little bombs. And it the- looks so sexy. Yeah. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. It's not. It's and, and let me tell you, it's not. There's some sexy parts of it. Right. I would be lying if I didn't say th- that there aren't. But there's the. So we'll, we'll talk about just. Afghanistan walking to a target. Okay. So there, well, there's a target on a hillside. There's only one road to get there. That's it's good. high in the mountains. Well, you know that road is booby trapped. You know, landmine. There are sentries. There are people set up. You know, guard posts out there. So they, you can't, you can't get there. It's like they own the high ground. So what we had to do is we took a helicopter in and we landed on the other side of the mountain. And then with all your gear on, body armor, bullets, you know, 65-ish pounds of gear, radios, everything, water, hiked up over the mountain, came back down the, the backside in order to assault the target. So they did. They never knew we were coming. But let me tell you something. Hiking up to ten or 12,000 feet with all your gear on and at night is not uh, an easy. easy task to do. And it, there's nothing sexy about it. You're pretty much exhausted by the time you get to the target. Uh, but then you have to like turn it on and hit the target, hit it hard. And then guess what? You got to leave the target. <laughs> you got to hike. Probably the same did. way that you came in. Cause you know, that road is still booby trapped. Oh yeah. Uh, and so maybe you can get the helicopter to land there if there's a location, but you also have to be careful with that because you still have these, you know, guard posts out here and, uh, and they could come in and, and shoot your helicopter down as well. So it's, it's complicated. It's, uh, there, like I said, there's some sexy parts of it, but it's it's more work than what most people. You can't put that into a movie. Like no one would like watch right. it. Right. Like the the closest I've heard from vets is um, 
Saving Private Ryan. They're like, that's the yep. closest, but they're like, there's not accurate though. They're like, but if you're trying to understand what they went through, it's like, eh, it gives you a good concept. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, and I would argue that the guys in the, in the army and the guys in the Marine Corps uh, that are just sort of out there, not, not doing this special operations mission, their job is way harder than the job that we do because they like, I see them standing out in like 125 degrees baking sun for hours at a time and they're just sitting ducks for like someone to come and ambush them or a sniper to hit them or whatever and i'm like you couldn't pay me enough to do that job like those are the true heroes those are the guys that really put it out there oh like, absolutely we you know we go in and we you know we do very detailed mission planning we make sure we try to make sure that the intel is extremely accurate before we go it, it's not always um right. and we 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 try to mitigate uh, uh, danger or um, anything going bad. We have contingency plans, and so we we do that. Like we try to set the cards up in our in our fair in our in our favor. We're not looking for a fair fight. We never ever want a fair fight. We want to go in and we want to dominate and we want to crush the enemy and 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 bring everyone home. Like we're not looking for a fair fight. Right. We want to we want to have like we want to have the advantage from the time we walk out the gate or drive out the gate or get in the vehicle. We want we want the advantage 100 percent of the time. And, and especially your guys' line of work, um, you any advantage you can hold, you must do kind of thing. And, 100%. and sometimes for a normal civilian, it seems brutal. But in the moment, it's like I had to do it. Sorry. I, it just is what it is. Yeah. I mean, and that's probably we use, you know, night vision goggles. We will only work at night. We don't only work at night. Uh, we, you know, use lasers. We have we spend so much money and so much time training and honing our skills to do the job that we do. Um, you know, I can tell what so, who someone is 100 yards away at night under night vision goggles where they're wearing all their kit just by the way they move or the way they stand, because I'm so used to working with those people. And, and just to kind of give you another story, I was. When I was in one of my admin roles, I was in the operations role um, in Iraq once upon a time. I went out with the task unit because I still want to work just because I'm, you know, doing mostly admin stuff now. I still want to kick in doors and, and do that job. But I'll go out there as like, you know, a new guy with no responsibilities. And and uh, and I'm like coming out of a target and I'm moving around and, and the platoon chief comes up to me. He's like, who are you? And he's like, oh, okay, I got you. I know who you are now. Because I hadn't done a workup with them. I hadn't done anything with them or even like gone out on any missions with them. This was like the first or second mission. And he wasn't used to seeing me out there. And he's like, who are you? You're not one of our guys. Oh, yeah, you are. Okay, I, I got you. But they're so we're so used to like, we know who everyone is at night, in the darkest of night, you know, under nods. And uh, and I was someone that was that he wasn't used to seeing. So he was like, what are you doing here? How did I pick up a weird straggler? Oh yeah, I actually put you on the mission. So, <laughs> oh yeah, so that was kind of funny. It was awesome. You're like that kid at the last second. I just threw you in the mission. Got it. First, sorry about that. Right, that was kind of like that. You know, oh, we got room. You want to go? Yes, of course. We got an open seat. Yes, yeah. I'll hold security. I'll be the prisoner. I'll do whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, on a, I want to tap on something earlier. Where you saying the guy standing in the field, uh, the normal, the the grunts. What is the grunt or the, the infantry? 
Uh, the Marines, Marine, Army. Army. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, so one of my, I, I do martial arts and one of my instructors at the time, uh, he got a freaking bad hand from the VA in general, but uh, he was in a, um, he was telling me a story where he's in a tank in the middle of Afghanistan. It's 120. And for some reason, and he said it was like 150 in the freaking tank. Yeah. And he's like, they don't have AC in there. No, they don't. And here's the crazy part. He told me for some reason, the commander decided to have him try experimental uh, equipment for Antarctica that day. And he's like, this is stupid. It's the desert. Why are we testing it here? Why don't you have the guys in Antarctica test it? He's like, we just need someone to test it. Hopefully you don't die. Handed them. And he's like, we were essentially sitting in 170 degrees all day. We got dehydrated a couple times. And I'm like, that's fucking stupid. Why, Why would they do that? So yeah, I would do it a little bit differently. So one of the ways that, so I've, I've actually been a part of one of my admin jobs was to help create our, our cold weather clothing line for, for special operations. And, and it's the same, like everyone wears it from SEALs, Green Beret, Rangers, right. Army, uh, or Marine Corps, MARSOC, uh, Air Force, Air Force, they're smaller. They get fancy yourself. They, okay. they get fancier stuff because they have fewer people and more money. Right. So, um, but basically the way that we would test that equipment is we would go climb mountains and right. you would you'd put the you'd put the clothes on. Uh, some guys would wear body armor, and you would climb these mountains, and you would just get super, just like soaking wet with sweat. It's cold out, you know. If you stop moving, you will you will hype out. You will you will get hypothermia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're good while you're moving without you know big heavy jackets or anything like that. But when you stop, you have to put your big puffy jacket on, create this microclimate, so your body is creating heat. It's pushing the sweat away from your your skin to the outer layers, and uh, and, and it ha- helps you dry out. But in order to to get there, first you gotta you gotta get it all wet. And sometimes, uh, you know, we have a, a, a school up in up in Kodiak, Alaska, where they'll have the students just to train them and show them how well the equipment works. Is they'll have them uh, get in the middle of winter. Sometimes cut holes in the ice. Uh, submerge yourself for 10 minutes in the water, in the cold, cold Alaskan water, get out and now go save your life. And there's a whole drill that that you go through where you you have like, you work in buddy teams. Right. And like one guy sets up the tent, you put on your puffy jacket and pants and you're still just soaking wet. Uh, put on puffy jacket and pants, you break out your sleeping bag. One guy is setting up the, the tent and sleeping bags. The other guy is setting up like boiling water and making a hot meal. And, and, and a hot drink. And as soon as that meal and drink is ready, you consume it to like, to put those calories in your body, to give your body more energy to, you know, shiver and, and push out the, uh, push the cold that is like seeping into your core. And, you know, guys are like, when they get out of the water, they're fine. But about 10 minutes after they get out, like you can see like uncontrollable and hands aren't working. Things aren't, you know, gross. They're down to gross motor movements instead of fine, fine motor movements. And so that's just, uh, that's a, that's a thing that, that we practice uh, to, to test out, you know, the cold weather clothing and, and teach you how to save your life. But we're doing that in Alaska. We're not right. doing that in Afghanistan in the summer. I mean, Afghanistan is cold. It's oh yeah frigid. In the, you know, because it's all mountainous, it's like the Sierra Nevadas for sure. It's beautiful country. Um, 
but there's a lot of a lot of bad guys there. I mean, it's a great place to to visit. You know, if you know, you could get some law and order there. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, that was the the main point of his story. He's like, yeah, because he, he was Marines. He's like, yeah. first, and he's like, yeah, he's like, us Marines are not the smartest people. He's like, I'll admit it, we're not smart. They're 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 great. They're great people. They're great. Uh, you know. There's all kinds. So yeah, and uh, the bummer, the the tail end of that story. I think the next day when he didn't have to wear all that equipment, um, his tank got hit. He was doing the light uh, scout tank, right? And his tank got hit by the um, the projectile you were talking about earlier. Oh yeah, he, yeah. Completely took out his crew, um, and he he was the only survivor. But I guess he breathed in all the fumes of the uh, the hydrogen the the, the Hydraulics, hydraulic fuel and oh, fumes. Yeah. He yeah, just yeah. breathed it in nonstop. He because he was stuck in the uh, the tank. So the that the VA, cool. oh no, it's not. And the VA didn't know what to do with him, so they gave him experimental roids. Essentially, he just went ape shit and tried to kill everyone. Oh, yeah, it, it was a whole interesting saga with him. But um, yeah, and that that's where afterwards we just sat him down and we're like, dude, like, other than the the VA fucking with you, like, how? how do we calm you down? We understand you, you see the war. You can't, it doesn't go away, but you're not in it. We understand the, the, the whole, we're not there. We, we don't know the pain. It lingers, but it's like, how can we just get you to, from te- like 20 back to like 10 kind of thing. Right. And that's where he just sat there and he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, I can't help you. I don't, I don't know either kind of thing. So for you, what was the, um, the transition for you coming from that? Your so my, uh, service. So my transition from the military was, I, I touched on it a little bit earlier. It was, you know, I like to call it the hardest military mission I've ever been on mm-hmm. because they don't teach you how to be a civilian. They don't teach you how to really transition into civilian life. They don't set you up for success. Pretty much when you leave the military, you're now an outcast. You now like you're a veteran. And like when I when I go on the base and I show them my retired ID card, they say, thank you for your service. But I can't go back to the SEAL team and be like, yo, what's up, fellas? Can I like, you know, can I can I go shooting with you? Can I whatever? Can Mm -hmm. I, you know, they're like, you don't belong here anymore. You're you're done. You yeah, you're retired. So go grandpa, go sit in the in in the pasture. And and I was probably the same way. admittedly probably the same way um when i was on active duty i don't have time to like take care of you i'm like training guys up we're getting ready to go we got you know we got a lot of stuff going on and so you know once you leave there's uh you lose your mission you lose your purpose you lose your why and that's you know a really big thing that that i struggled with and to kind of you know bring it all back to your original question earlier about about working out is you know, first I had to figure out what my why was. I had to figure out like what my new mer- my new purpose, my new mission, my new my new why. And so my why was, you know, number one, I I I need I need to create some sort of income stream now because I don't have an income anymore because I was in the military and they paid me. Um, and military retirement is not like uh, enough to for anyone to live on. Um, so it's, it's like, you know, kind of like beer money really at the end of the day. It pretty much is. (laughs) And so, um, so I had to figure that out. So, you know, my why again turned into, you know, starting naked word recovery. Uh, it turned into, um, 
helping people achieve, change their mindset. You know, it's to help people to get naked. And what I mean by get naked, and I have a shirt on that says get naked. Uh, it means to like, I talked about, you know, I don't call it PTSD. I don't call it anything like that. I call it baggage. And people want to put their crap in your bags that you're carrying around in your backpack. Um, And, you know, when we when we talk about uh, that baggage. In the SEAL teams, we put our armor on to go into harm's way. Sometimes it's useful. Sometimes it was just extra weight that we had to carry around. But we put it on to protect us from someone doing harm to us in life. We also do that. We we but we, we use our ego. We, we have this shield that we put on this armor that we put on and it's our ego. When someone attacks us, a toxic relationship, you know, negative self-talk, uh, some sort of thing that happened to us in, in, in the war or in business or whatever. And we just feel like that we're being attacked all the time. And it's really, it's, it's in our head. And so, part of get naked and and being a naked warrior is taking that ego off and setting in the corner, take that armor off and setting in the corner. It's not that easy to do. It's, it's very hard and it takes a lot of work. Um, But once you take your armor off, once you take that ego off and you get naked and you expose yourself, you're able to find a little more healing. You're able to have some better self-talk and CBD was a modality that helped me get there, Right. but I had to want to do it. It, and then, you know, sort of the, the, you know, Get naked. The why? Get naked. Uh, naked warrior. It, it is, it's also a, a uh, an acronym because you know in the military we can't have everything is an acronym, and yeah. uh, so the N is for never quit. And I don't mean like you know never quit smoking or drinking or anything like that. I mean never quit on yourself. Never quit if you have a purpose. If you started a, a project. If you started getting a degree. If you started anything that was worth starting. Never quit. Like you know, sometimes you, it may seem unattainable. Like people talk to me all the time. They're like, so, you know, hell week is like super hard. And like, I don't even know how you did it or seal training or whatever. Hell week is five and a half days, but it's chopped up into evolutions. It's chopped up into easy pieces that are easy to, uh, they're not easy. They're easy enough to, uh, to accomplish. So, you know, you might be in surf torture. I don't think they're allowed to call it that anymore, but whatever. Uh, we yeah, call it surf torture. You know, surf torture is you're going to be in the water for like 45 minutes, you know, locked arms, shivering, you know, maybe they, you make, they make your, they make you face the, you're back to the ocean. This is the worst back to the ocean, lay down and put your head on this, on the ground. And the waves are coming in and they're like crashing over you. And this real silty sand and it's like going up your nose and you start just like dry heaving and gagging while you're shivering and you get a good ab workout that way. But, you know, but that that is going to end like that. That evolution is going to end and then you're going to pick your boats up and you're going to go somewhere else and do something else. But if you take these events that are in your life and you chop them up into small attainable pieces uh, then, then there it's easy to quit. So if you have something that's com- like, just seems unattainable, you can chop it up into easy pieces and, and, and accomplish one piece every single day. You know, they talk about Rome wasn't built in a day. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, things like that. So, uh, that's, that's really what, what never quit is the A is accept failure. Failure is the foundation of success, you know, and no one likes to lose. No one likes failure. But, you know, in reality, if you change your mindset and you look at the way that um, 
the most successful people in the world are the biggest failures. So if you look at Elon Musk, he was fired as a CEO from, from the first company he started. Steve Jobs was fired from Apple. Um, Michael Jordan, arguably the best basketball player of all time, missed more than 3,000 shots in his career. Uh, um, what's the guy's name? Light bulb guy. Uh, uh, Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison. He discovered 10,000 ways to not create the incandescent light bulb. So, you know, he discovered 10,000 ways to not do it. Someone else would say he failed more than 10,000 times. So he just accepted failure. He learned from it and he grew from it. And he eventually came up with the incandescent light bulb. Um, the K is to kill mediocrity. We are surrounded by mediocrity in this world. You know, Netflix and YouTube and and Amazon, they just make us mediocre. They make us lazy. And we're we're not used to pushing ourselves. So if you can just every day try to be 0.0001% better than you were the day before, then that's a win. If you can do more than that, then you're ki- like every time you try to get better, you try to learn something new, you read a book, read two, two pages in a book, 10 pages in a book, do something hard, work out every day, uh, write a journal every day, do something that's going to improve your life and kill mediocrity. So that's NAK. The E is expose your fears. Fears are the things that control us more than anything else. Fears make us mediocre. Fears make us quit. Fears make us fail and make us feel like failures. So fears, and I don't mean like the things that go bump in the night. I mean, the fears that are in the back of our mind, like fear of success, fear of failure, fear, like expose those. They're the things that, that control us. So if you're able to like reach back into that dark place in the back of your brain, where all those fears are, are hiding and they just come out and they like manipulate you. If you're able to take those fears, pull them out and expose them to light. You can, a friend of mine says fear does not exist on paper. So if you write down like, I, it scares the hell out of me that, you know, I could lose everything that I've ever worked for, you know, and I could be broken homeless on the street, you know, Oh, you wrote that down. Now, what are you going to like? You've, you've exposed that fear. Like that was something that's like, controlling you and, 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 and creating failure in your life and creating mediocrity in your life. If you bring that out and you expose it and you share it with someone, then you now control that fear. That fear no longer controls you because you can actually address it. You can see it and, and you can and expose it and find, you know, different ways to attack that fear, that thing that, that is holding you back. Uh, and the D is do the work because it's all, it's anything that's worth doing is worth overdoing. So you can, you can, um, wow, lost my train of thought. Um, but anyway, it's all work. Like people want an easy fix. They want like a quick, whatever life is a campaign, life getting better, doing anything. It's a campaign. Like you live every day. So you, you start, you make a plan and you do that. You execute that plan and you do the work and, uh, it's not a quick fix. It takes a, you know, it takes a lot of effort to, to, to get that done. So um, the D is do the work. So it's never quit, accept failure, kill mediocrity, expose your fears and do the work. That's the, the sort of get naked mindset, the what really getting naked is all about. And that is my why. That's freaking bitching. So when would you do the editing, get that one right there. And we were talking earlier that he's like, I'm going to get the video. So I, I'm like, no, I, that right there, I literally am writing notes as you were saying that. I'm, so just just 
uh, as you know, we're going through this, I'm creating a document that basically outlines all of that. And it, it's not ready, but maybe by the time this comes out, I'll, I'll share it with you. I'll share the website and, and, and you can maybe put it in show notes or something like that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it'll have, you know, some, some pretty pictures of SEAL training and it'll really go through that never quit, accept failure, kill mediocrity, expose your fears and do the work. Yeah. Even if this is live, just email it to me. I'll immediately update it. So yeah. for you, that's your why, but how did you finally find that, that drive? Like a lot of people tell me like, find your why. I'm like, well, I mean, I'd like to be a successful businessman making money, but I mean, that's not, that's not like a clear direction that could go anywhere kind of thing. How did you right. fine tune it to that? Like sharpness. That finally- um, So I think that your why has to be powerful. It has to be something that moves you and it motivates you. And I, I don't like the word motivation. Um, I like to get motivated, you know, listen to music, listen to podcasts, listen to, um, you know, things like the man in the arena, uh, and, and get super, you know, motivated from that. But it's the, um, you, your why has to be something that's personal, that's going to touch you, that, that you feel like if you don't continue to push towards that, end goal, then there is severe consequence on the backside. So I would say that, and actually someone on Instagram reached out to me the other day. They're like, how do you do your marketing? How do you do, you know, all these other things? And I mean, number one, I would say get a business coach. Uh, I have two Um, and they have different strengths. So I just pull from each one of them, the, the, the things that work best for me. And so my industry, the CBD industry, I can't market like, a protein powder or something like that right. because Facebook, Facebook, I never had Facebook until I started naked word recovery. And I only did that because they're like, okay, get on Facebook and start posting things about, you know, your product and then, you know, get a business account and then start marketing your product. Well, Facebook sees CBD as an illegal substance, even though it's federally legal in all over, you know, pretty much all over the world. Right. Um, but they still see it as, you know, not federally, whatever. And so they've deleted three of my accounts. They've deleted Instagram accounts. So I have to find different ways to like, those are failures. I'm like, oh my God, I put a lot of work and effort and don't worry. Facebook will still take your money even after they delete your account. Oh yeah. Um, Oh yeah. And uh, they're like, oh, sorry, we made a mistake. Here's your money back. No, no, they're going to take your money Um, and, and kick you off their platform. So, but um I think your why just has to be very powerful. And if it's, if it's vague, you know, you, who's your customer? What is your purpose? Like what value are you bringing? And, you know, it can be value as, as a business executive, you can be, you know, your customer there is, is the company that hires you and you are working your way up in the company, or maybe you're starting your company and, you know, you want to bring the high, like for me, I want to bring the highest quality CBD to the market to support, veterans and first responders, because those are people who are of service. But, you know, there are so many other people that CBD can can benefit as well. So my my market is, you know, I'm focusing more on veterans and first responders, but there are other people who are like, well, if it works for them, maybe it'll work for us or work for me. Anywhere from like a real estate agent to a stay-at-home mom, soccer mom, to, you know, a high, high-powered business executive who is under stressful situations all the time. So- oh, yeah. 
though you, but you have to really focus on what your why is. What is your why? And if it's like a mediocre why, you need to kill that mediocrity and make that why more powerful. I love it. It just goes right back to get naked. Exactly. Because a lot of times we're scared. We're afraid to be too focused on one market or one thing or whatever. But the example that I will give you for folk, like focus on what your, what your why is like truly focus on it. And I'll use Amazon as a, as an example, Amazon mm-hmm. started off as a book company. They were shipping books out of their garage. That's all they focused on. They're going to be the best book company in the world. They could get any book and ship it to you in however a week or two weeks or whatever. You didn't have to go like, and now you can get anything. You can get ice cream from Amazon shipped in to our- your house in like an hour. You, yeah. I can't in Hawaii. We don't have that. You know, right. if I order ice cream, it's just going to be, uh, you know, <laughs> a mess by the time it got to my house. But yeah. No. And I think you, I remember that story. That's what was interesting about the Amazon origins. He was focused on being the the best online bookstore because there was still Barnes Noble and they were the right. best brick and mortar. So he's like, I want to be the best online. And I think at a certain point he realized, like he asked customers, like, what can we do different? What can we offer you? And one of them was like, oh, I was actually needing windshield wipers kind of thing. And like, if you sold windshield wipers, I would have bought that from you when I needed it. And that's where he clicked. He's like, I can sell anything on this now. He's like, once you have established that customer base after focusing, you, yeah, for sure. And that's where then it went from, because uh, I'm taking this from an interview he did with someone. Uh, he essentially said it went from best bookstore to the best customer experience and service we can ever, like, no company will ever compare to us. Right. And he achieved it. Yeah. So, all over the world. He is. I think other than China, because Alibaba's there, but uh, yeah, he's pretty much everywhere now. Yeah. So that's powerful. I want to talk to you on a CBD because you mentioned not just the vets. Um, so for me, weird origin story of it, but all, but there was a weird church event. We had a slide and the thing kind of broke. I got stuck in literally feudal position. Ironically, a younger kid named Josh sees Bigger Josh stuck, decides to jump off it and cracks me in the back of the head with his knee. He's like flying like a story and a half down on this slide. Ever since then, my nerves were extremely screwed up. Like essentially there was, ironically, it was a church and there was a doctor. Um, He pretty much said, you had the equivalence of a Louisville slugger at full force from Babe Ruth. You should not be standing kind of thing. And I was there for sure. Oh, yeah. And he checked me for concussions. He had me go into his office for free and scan nothing. But he's like, you shouldn't be here, essentially. You should be in a wheelchair. But ever since that moment, my neck has always been tense. The nerves have over would overreact. Like the lightest tap on my shoulder, I practically fall on the floor. I started taking CBD. Yeah, it still hurts. But it's one of those that's not debilitating anymore. Like if you right. tap me on the shoulder, I'm not going to fall over and be like twitching like an idiot. Right. I mean, that's so, biggest... it's, so it's interesting. So CBD is, so I like to say that CBD is not a magic, it's not a magic pill. It's not, Oh no, whatever. It's a modality, but it has there. I mean, it's, it's been used, not CBD, but hemp has been used as a medicine for more than 2000 years. Easy. And it was, there are some racial things that helped make it illegal. 
Um, yes. But that's once upon a time and, and hopefully times are changing, but, but there, because there are all like, there's about 120 different uh, minor cannabinoids and terpenes in, in the hemp plant. And that's sort of the difference between many of the CBD products out there. You know, you have a CBD isolate, which just isolates the molecule of CBD and they put it into an olive oil or an MCT oil. And that's how they sell it. I, I consider that the lowest quality of CBD. It's the cheapest to create. Um, and I, and you're only getting the molecule CBD. Uh, if you have a full spectrum or a broad spectrum product, so the difference between a full and broad full has all the minor cannabinoids, all the terpenes to include THC, uh, broad spectrum, the THC is removed. That's generally what I sell. I also have a full spectrum product, but 95% of my products are, are broad spectrum because there are still so many people who are concerned about drug testing or just the, the evils of THC air quotes there from, you know, I grew up under Nancy Reagan's war on drugs, just say no. And so I was afraid of, you know, you know, CBD because I have spent my entire adult life in the military and, you know, afraid of THC. And I, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I certainly thought that it was far less terrible than, alcohol and certainly the amount of alcohol that I had consumed to sort of turn off this noise in my head. Um, but I still wanted to maintain my top secret clearance with the, with the government right. to do some other government work. And uh, so I'm focusing on, uh, I focused on a broad spectrum product, but you know, so you're still getting most of those minor cannabinoids and terpenes. And so some of those minor cannabinoids and terpenes, they actually support uh, neurological regrowth. They support um, repair of brain tissue. They support repair of, of uh, neuroplast neuroplasticity, which is so with a with a traumatic brain injury, you're basically creating like a you're killing part of the brain, mm -hmm. essentially. And so the brain has to like rewire to work around that that dead part. And so the more the more neuroplasticity that your brain has, the better it absorbs some of those, those impacts that, that, that traumatic brain injury. And so, and I've been to brain, I went to a, a, a TBI clinic for a month and uh, before I got out of the military. And that's, that's really how I know this, this part of it, but the, but there are, there are minor cannabinoids and terpenes in, in, the hemp plant that help with that neuroplasticity. So it helps your brain work better. It helps your help helps to protect your brain from concussion, from, uh, from injury, from those TBI, TBI events. And it also helps your brain repair itself. Now I'm not making medical claims there. Those oh God, are no. just, those are just, uh, those are just facts. Like for me, yes. no medical claim. I just, what I experienced kind of thing. Right. Right. But those, uh, but there are, you know, I'm not saying that it will, repair someone's brain, I'm saying that these terpenes do create neuroplasticity. And this is sort of what neuroplasticity is. There's like I a recommend good, Googling it. Yeah. Google it. Don't, don't, don't go off his word. Cause then you're getting them all in trouble and shit. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was actually the big thing. So I, my instructor, um, the, the head guy of it all. Um, and he knew about my event. It was like when I was 21. So God, it's been like almost five years now. Uh, like five years ago, this rough guy on the street, like his name's Mike. 
as were when you mentioned him, like I, I know him. He does he does nanospectrum. If you know that one, like nano uh, particles of the CBD. So uh, I have the, there are soft gels. There are pills have a a a nano emulsion technology. Right. That, right. Right. That makes them like the the oil droplets like one twenty fifth the size of a normal oil droplet. Right. So it's That's- better for bioavailability and things like that. Yeah, he, he went on this whole boring lecture. I totally tuned out, but that's his thing is he has good suppliers. Actually, he has a contract with a farm. Like they only grow his hemp, the cleanest ever. Like he has to someone else. And it is, but that's where my instructor's like, I know about your neck. Like he's willing to give you like a week supply. Just try it. Tell me what happens. Cause I guess it cost him like 50 bucks, but he just said it was free. And I told him like day three, I'm like, it, it's amazing. Like, I can move like yeah. I, and he's like, exactly. Finish the week. And then essentially he just signed me up. We, I, I do the tincture and then like a rub yep. on for the back of the neck. Um, yeah. And it, that's just with the, ever since then, I've just not looked back. Like now I've gotten to the point cause it's all, it's pretty much mostly repaired. It's like, I say 90%. I still, there's still touch and go days, but sure. uh, now I don't take it as religiously, but it's, it's one of those, it's not even a crutch. Once I started, I know I got to do it for a week cycle to feel it kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm the same way. I don't take, I take CBD every day, uh, but I don't take, I don't need like a, a copious amount in the past. When I first started, I needed. That's a lot, a lot more. And there mm-hmm. are days where I will take a lot more depending on like travel or stress or those Things that were people, you know, I'm under attack. I'm under attack. Uh, there's those triggers come in, and I'm like, I. It doesn't make you know. It doesn't make the problem go away. You still have to deal with the problem, but the al- amount of stress, it certainly brings that stress level back down. So you, you know, I could have better self talk, better clarity of what I need to do to to take care of whatever that issue is or that problem or that that. Right. And yeah, it's just one of those. I always praise it to the highest heavens to anyone. I'm like, if you have anxiety, um, I'm not guaranteeing a hundred percent, but I'm going to tell you, it's going to make it your life a hell of a lot better kind of thing. It's right. like, I, I told him like, think of the stone classic California stoner, but less THC, just the, Whoa, dude. Right. Part. But so, but you still have to do work. They're still like, right. you still have to do the, your own positive self-talk. You, it's, it doesn't like, it doesn't it's fix it. everything. No. Like there's still a, an issue out there that you have to deal with. You still have to like, in that anxiety, what is anxiety? It's, it's the, um, the fear of something that hasn't happened yet. Right. It has no bearing. It has no real power on you, but you give it power. So you expose that fear. You take that power back. And now the anxiety goes away or at least reduces. And sometimes you need a little CBD to help get you there. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I mean, it's a Google article, so I don't know how accurate it is the internet, but I read somewhere like they found weed in the, um, Egyptian temples yeah. to, to more thousands, thousands yeah. of years. So th- it's like one of those, we've been using THC and CBD to cope with loss and grieving before it was even villainized. What? Like, yeah. like it was, it was only villainized, like not even a hundred years ago. It was villainized in the U S I want to say in the thirties or forties, something like that. Okay. 
So maybe we're like fifties ish. I think yeah, twenties or thirties sounds about right. It's when like the the second industrial era was starting. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's not even a hundred years, and that in the span of a human time frame, that's a blip kind of thing, right? Like in our existence, that's like nothing. So it's the we're just now suddenly taking the thing that could help us with. I'll say it, PTSD, trauma. So tra- much stuff. So much stuff. Like, it, there was actually this, I used to watch TikTok a lot. Then I realized the algorithm just stressed me out. But this lady was talking about, <laughs> uh, yeah, they was just essentially just chicks with huge tits and guys with guns. I'm like, I don't, I, I'm not, okay, fine. But um, it, the lady was explaining mushrooms. And she's like, if you take small doses, you don't take a, like a whole capsule. Like, that's obviously stupid. But she's like, if you take small doses of a psychedelic in general, she's like, natural, not chemical, but it will actually help your uh, the pathways like you were talking about earlier. She's like, yep. she's like, when people cry when they're uh, they smoke a joint is because they opened a pathway to a, um, an old trauma that they can finally confront in a safe environment and let it go. She's like, you can't get that with alcohol; it makes it worse. Right. I mean, and pharmaceuticals. I, alcohol, all that stuff. It just, yeah, it's, it's poison and it's, it's not good. It is. Uh, but we have these natural medicines out there that can actually help people when taken responsibly. Of course. Like the lady said, do you know, like, as I never done it, and it's one of those, I would love to try it one day, but uh, she's like, yeah, you just want to take a small dose of mushrooms. She's like, just enough to get the stimulation, but no, none of the visuals or feelings. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'm like I could do that. And then one person's like, well, which mushroom? I'm like, I don't know, man. I just it's one of those I want to try it eventually. Right. One, of the, one of these days, I would find an expert before I, yeah, right. And you know, there's also like again going back to just talking about hemp. You know, there's a, it's a bioaccumulator. You want to have a good dirt. You want to have a good a farm. You want to have you want to know where the supply comes from, and I'm sure that mushrooms and psychedelics and things like that are are similar. You want to have a good supplier that that uh, that gives you a good product. You don't want to be putting a bunch of poisons in your body while you're trying to put some sort of medicine in your body. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think fungi are the same way, where they just literally absorb everything around them. They are just right. their accumulation of whatever is around them, kind of thing. Um, but so for you, <laughs> we kind of went on a whole tangent there. The, uh, <laughs> We're all over the place. It's all good. It's I love it. Um, so when did you, when you came back, uh, and you found out CBD and you were starting your business, when did you realize this was it kind of thing? Like, this is what I need to do to help my fellow brothers kind of thing. Once I figured out what my why was right. I had to, I had to figure that out. Like, because I didn't know. I'm like, yeah, I want to make money. I want to like, whatever. Oh, and I was, I was kind of like CBD helped me. It was a modality that helped me get drink less alcohol, use less pharmaceuticals um, and have a better positive self-talk. So once I started down the positive self-talk route, you know, and I surrounded myself with, with, as many mentors as I could. So, you know, again, I left the SEAL teams. 
I left my team, my, you know, people who pushed me every day and people who I pushed every day. And it didn't matter if it was like the most senior guy or the most junior guy, like the most junior guys there. And he's, you know, performing at a certain level. Well, I feel like I have to perform better than him, even though I'm older, he's more athletic. He has more whatever. I'm like, forget that dude. I have to actually outperform you. And so I was pushed by the people that I was surrounded by. And I tried to push them as well. Well, on the outside, in the civilian world, I don't have that. I also live on a rock in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. So I don't have a bunch of people around me to help me out with that. <laughs> so um, so what I had to do, I reached out to you know former teammates, and they've connected me with other you know, very smart entrepreneurial uh, people. You know, I would consider them, some of them to be like the Navy SEAL of in the entrepreneur world. Okay. And, uh, and so being surrounded by those people and, you know, also listening to different podcasts about entrepreneurship and, and figuring that out. And it really came down to like, figure out what your why is. And the more I can like focus my market, focus my attention, focus my why, the better and more motivated I was to get up every day and, and sort of attack that problem and, and, and figure that whole thing out. I think I answered your question. You did. You did. Uh, um, I completely forgot what the question was, but (laughs) I was just saying, (laughs) I just started talking. Hey, it's great. I love it. Um, It was just more like when you kind of had the concept of why, when did you realize this was the journey? But you pre- you pretty yeah. much answered like five different yeah. questions that came up anyway. So it was like, it's like are you planning ahead? <laughs> Storytelling. I'm just trying to tell a story. How there I got go. there. Doing good. Um, so then for me, it's I kind of asking the same question a different way. Someone like me, let's just put it that way. How, where I have a concept, I don't want to be where I'm at, but I am taking a bit of the mediocre. I don't know where to commit my all my resources how would you come at me and say okay you need to focus in on this like you would give me more information about what you're what you're looking at or you don't even have to give me like what you're actually thinking about give me an example and i will try to steer you to that example just give me an example like for my why yeah um like this i love stories i love conversations that's where I know inevitably this show will eventually pay me kind of thing, but it's the right now, what can I do to supplement to even potentially leave the rat race to finally focus on the show kind of thing. Who is your market? Uh, Entrepreneurs. Well, the whole reason I started this whole show was for young Josh to realize you're an entrepreneur and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Um, Cause I was always a kid asking questions and they were telling me you're stupid, stay in line, never learned, never listened. But so backstory for me is I had, um, and it, nothing against the, my parents, but it was the nineties. They didn't have the internet. They couldn't, if they had the internet nowadays, they would have figured out not to put me on the shit. Um, but I had ADHD pretty normal for a kid. They, but the nineties, there was no politically correct back then. So they thought I was schizophrenic. So they diagnosed me with schizophrenia, six or eight, went through this whole gambit of drugs. I essentially was seeing shit. It kind of confirmed the whole theory that he was schizophrenic because he's seeing shit kind of thing. So they put me on more. It got to the point I couldn't, I 
still when I reflect, I don't know who Josh is because I've went through so many weird phases. It's like, is that Josh? Is that Josh? Kind of thing. So the reason I started the show is like, no matter what stage you're in, just know, don't let anyone correct you. Like, listen to these successful people. You are of similar cloth. That's where I say entrepreneurs and open-minded thinkers because I love talking to guys like you too. Um, and it's one of those two years ago. Oh, it's almost three now. Uh, when I first started my job, a very professional Indian man uh, essentially said, Josh, um, how long have you been on this shit? And I just sat back and like, like since I was 13, he's like, your brain should be mushed by now. You you shouldn't be functioning. The amount of doses you're taking is of the clinically insane level. And you you don't seem insane to me kind of thing. He's like, do you, this is the thing that caught my attention. I immediately snapped to, he's like, do you remember opening the door? It was very unique. It was like, had cool Nordic designs on it, on the doorknob. He's like, do you remember opening that? And I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, normal people would at least remember reaching for it because it's uniqueness. You don't even remember that? I'm like, no. He's like, that's the drugs, not you. Immediately quit cold turkey that day. It was a rough landing, but it worked. So what I would say uh, for you, you have a past. Forget about that. I don't mean forget about it. Right. Like it's always going to be there. It's a part of who you are now, mm-hmm. but that's in the past. It's behind you. Right now, I would say create, um, you have to, you have to build a plan and I think you're on the path, but I mean, even, you know, I still have, I do three, four different jobs to get by. I have a, I have a consulting company. I have a CBD company. I do some government contract work and I do some other volunteer work. Um, only a couple of those pay me, but I'm using each one of them for different uh, either to get different experiences. So I'm, I'm, I'm a coach, I'm a mentor for, you know, kids or young men and women who want to become part of special operations. Maybe they join the military, maybe they don't, maybe they just want to like be part of a community. So I'm a mentor for those people. And the, one of the reasons, there's two reasons that I'm doing that, uh, specific thing. One is to get in front of more people to help help them with their mindset, how to think about, you know, attacking problems differently. Um, Because I'm going to eventually turn that into my own coaching program, um, you know, really under Get Naked. So I talked about earlier in the show, I'm I'm building a a form that basically goes over never quit, accept failure, kill mediocrity, expose your fears and do the work, the whole Get Naked mindset. And then from there, you know, that will branch off and to be, to be uh, a, a course or videos that you can download for a, a, a certain cost. Right. Um, I have CBD, you know, my goal is really to drive people over to, to buy, you know, CBD products, whether it's our energy drink, uh, you know, to stop all the monsters and all the other stuff and still get some CBD in your system uh, to give you like good recovery or better sleep. Um, you know, topical stuff to help out with pain, um, things like that. And so I have, and as I go, I'm still pivoting and, and building, figuring out that plan for, you know, for, for maximum growth. Uh, but you know, what you're doing now is you're, you're creating content, 
you because content is key. You're creating content, but you you have to. I would say start a, a YouTube channel. I don't know if you have a YouTube channel yet. I do. Uh, definitely I YouTube channel. Uh, create something to drive people to your YouTube channel. Start marketing with email. So I don't know how big your email list is, but that big. start marketing with email. You need to figure out a prog a product that people want to have. You know, bringing people on who are successful and kind of sharing some of their lessons learned. That's something that. Uh, a lot of people want and they want to consume, but you need to be able to, but there's a lot of people doing that. So you right. need to find a way to stand out. Like what is your, what makes you stand out? And so, you know, there's 150 bazillion CBD companies out there. Like overnight CBD just popped up and it like, there's a, like, how do I stand out? I mean, I have my background that helps, but you know, how do I get in front of more people? So my, I get on as many podcasts as I can and then I also talk about the get naked mindset. So maybe someone doesn't want to be, you know, isn't really into CBD, but maybe they want to change the way they think. They want to think more like a Navy SEAL. So I've created five ways to think like a Navy SEAL. Never quit, accept failure, kill mediocrity, expose your fears, do the work. So you have to figure out. So you 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 kind of know your why, but you don't really know your why. So I would, I would, I would find your, I would fine-tune your 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 audience. So one of my business coaches is Bedros Koulian. He started Fit Body Bootcamp. And so they their avatar, their avatar is Mrs. Jones. She okay. is she's between 35 and 45. She's about 15 or 20 pounds overweight. She has two and a half kids. She drives a minivan. Uh, she doesn't want to do box jumps because when she lands too hard. She pees herself a little bit because, you know, she's had kids. Um, so she doesn't want to go to like CrossFit or anything like that, but she wants a, a, a sense of community. Uh, it's a little bit higher end. She's willing to pay. She's, she lives in, you know, higher end suburbs and, uh, and, and she's a stay at home mom, or maybe she, she does some part-time work. And so they've dialed their avatar, their actual customer down to like, the like very, very, very fine tuned their customer. Other people come in and, and take part of that. But I would say maybe your avatar, your, your, uh, your market are young men who had some sort of misunderstanding, but they want to be entrepreneurs and you focus on, you know, bringing the best and the brightest, uh, most successful people in the world to your to your platform. And then you're able to uh, either, you know, and put that on YouTube or put that on somewhere else. And then eventually you start getting paid by YouTube. You could also create a course. This is how to start a podcast and this is how to find people. And you can sell that course from your, from your podcast platform or, or things like that. Okay. It's, that it's, it's, it doesn't happen overnight. Right. It's, it's, it seems unattainable, but I think what I've done for you a little bit, like we, I could go into much more detail and I'm still learning a lot of this. This is, but you, if you break it down into like small victories. So in SEER school in, you know, it, which is basically they teach you how to live off the land, sort of, uh, how to start fire and things like that. But then they don't feed you for about two and a half weeks. You're up in the mountains of wherever, or in the desert of wherever. And you eventually get captured and you go into, you become a, a prisoner of war. 
And um, what they teach you is to have small victories. So no matter what happens to you, you're going to lose. But if they say, don't look left, you know what you got to do? You got to look, turn your eyes and, and look left. If they say, don't sit down, you're like, oh my God. I've, and, and you find excuses and ways to, to do the opposite of what they're telling you not to do or telling you to do. So you basically what that does is it creates these small victories and you create victory after victory after victory. And then that builds your confidence and that builds your, um, it builds you up. And the more wins and the more victories that you have under your belt, the better off you are mentally. And, you know, it doesn't matter how long you're going to be in that, that prisoner of war situation, you're going to have, um, a better, a better mental, you'll be in a better mental state. And the same thing happens in, and I, and that's kind of the same thing for, you know, seal training, you know, we're laying in the, in the ocean in the middle of the night. And I know that, you know what, this is only going to last so much longer. And then in an hour and a half, I'm going to be in a hot shower and then I'm going to get in my bed and I'm going to start the day all over tomorrow. So I would say, you know, you have to look at the bigger picture. Where, where do you want to be? And that, wherever that place is, that's not actually where you want to be. You actually want to be way beyond that. But you need to, in order to get way up there, you need to start low. You need to start like small victory, small victory, small victory. And you're going to have failure. And, you know, those failures, you know, those are going to be stairs that are going to help you hop right over that wall of the, that, that thing that you're trying to accomplish. And then you get ready for the next one and the next one. But those small victories, those failures, they build the ladder that helps you climb over that, that wall of that, that is challenging you. No, but it doesn't that, happen overnight. It's, no, it it's a grind and it's something that you have to, you have to really uh, put your mind to and, and, and attack it every day. You don't have to attack the whole big goal. You attack very small, very attainable goals. And then in a year, in two years, you're going to be like, Oh, look where I was and look where I am now. And it's important to, to keep that measurement alive because, you know, I was told in, you know, when I first joined the Navy, I failed uh, the SEAL screening test three times. So I failed it in boot camp. And then I went to a school, which is like the, the school that you have to go to to advance in the Navy. And then um, I didn't take the SEAL test. I, again, because it was cold up in, you know, Chicago area in the wintertime. And I didn't feel like getting up early. So I failed myself there. And then I went to another school and I ended up because I went to that school, I had to go sit on a ship for two years in Yakuza, Japan. And because I went to this other school, the Navy said, you're never going to be a Navy SEAL. You cannot because you went to this other school. And I was like, that's not acceptable to me. And so I eventually had to, the, the chief of Naval operations came to my ship in Yakuza, Japan. The chief of Naval operations is the most senior guy in the Navy. Okay. He's like the only people who are more senior to him is the secretary of defense and the president of the United States. He's the most senior guy out there. I'm a little nobody on a ship in Yokosuka, Japan, who just wants to go to SEAL training. And so he came to my ship, no other ship. There's like 15 other ships there. He only came to our ship and he had, he had, you know, he had Q and a, I joined, raised my hand. I said, I joined the Navy to be a SEAL. I think I deserve a chance to go, but my detailer won't let me go. And I think I deserve a chance. He's like, you're right. You'll be in the first class after your PRD. So everyone told me no until 
I finally, you know, it was failure, 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 failure. And then like, I finally asked the right person and he said, yes. And I was in California six weeks later. So it was, it took me three years really from the time that I joined the Navy from the time I went to boot camp until I finally got to go to SEAL training. And that was just the beginning. And then from there I had to, it took me 13 months to graduate, you know, to finish six months of training. And then the rest of my career was, you know, another, um, you know, more successes and failures along the way, you know, combat, I've lost people, you know, not combat, you know, we go to combat, we're thinking we're going to do like, you know, the SEAL mission, but instead we end up doing, you know, personal security detail for the interim government of Iraq, not sexy, not cool. And no one wants to do that mission, but we were tasked like, this is a no fail mission. You have, you're going to go do this. Okay. Roger. So it was a success, even though it's felt like a failure. So what I'm saying is you're going to, it's, it's a long road to get where you need to go and, or where you want to go. And, you know, you know, kind of going back to that story of like climbing the mountains in, in Alaska, like testing out cold weather equipment. I was not working out that much sitting behind a desk, running these programs and things like that. And now I'm like climbing mountains in Alaska and I'm there with the other seals that live there and they're, they climb these mountains every day and they're like, okay. And I'm like huffing and puffing, getting up the mountain and, you know, they stop, they wait for me to catch up and they're like, okay, you see that peak right there? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And they're like, yeah, that's not the top. <laughs> that's, that's just like, that's a false peak. So you're going to run into a lot of false peaks. You're going to like climb this mountain. You're going to run into a lot of false peaks. There's a lot of them on the way up. And the, the point of that is you should never peak. You should never, you should always be, you know, that's where you think you want to be. Like set a plan to get there. And then when you get there, set another plan to get to the next peak and the next peak. And you just keep going. And that's, and that is the entrepreneurial route. And it took me a long time to like figure that out and learn it. I was like, there's no quick fix. You know, it's all about getting naked and it's all about doing the work. You need to have that that plan sort of in place and you can figure that plan out along the way. And, uh, you know, as you hit that next peak, you're like, okay, well, what I did to get here is this, but what I need to do to get from here to here is a whole nother plan. So I would say, you know, continue driving down the path that you're going and and then, you know, as you get to the next False peak, you figure out a new plan to get to the next, the next false peak. No, and that's actually the reason I've been smiling this whole time is I need to get him on. My martial arts instructor uh, was super old school, and that was the thing he would uh, do to us. It, but he never told us until like years after. He, so, like, I wanted to go for in martial arts in America. There's like a whole color system. I wanted to reach black belt. So he told me like, well, you need to hit the goals like purple and brown kind of thing. He's like, but when you do, he's like, you're going to have to notch up. Young kid, dumb, didn't really get it. But it was one of those, as I got higher in ranks, I realized even amongst my peers, I was better, but I was doing exactly what he said is like, if I figured out how to successfully disarm someone, well, great. Now I have to do it 10 times very fast, very accurately. So when I do it normal, it's still, it's like half that speed, but I never realized that's what he was training me to do. Like you just said, like, there's a false speed. Great. You hit it. No, no, sorry. You're going up higher. It's a pain. Complain all you want. You're going up there kind of thing. 
Right. Do you want it or not? Right. And that's the the one that's always stuck with me. I I remember um, we, I don't know if you guys did this where we did squats, we had a bar over our leg and then we had our hands out with uh, like a bar over it to, and we had to hold it for hours. No, but I do remember in boot camp where we had to hold a paint pen uh, with our fingertips because because there was uh, the they take your blood, they give you all sorts of vaccinations and shots right. and whatever, and but they're also doing a sickle cell anemia test, and so you weren't allowed. They weren't allowed to um, like make us do push ups or doing anything really strenuous in boot camp until that sickle cell test came back. Right. And so this was kind of early on in like the, the first few weeks of boot camp. And again, Navy boot camp is not hard. Uh, you learn how to like fold your clothes and march and make your bed and and some Navy stuff. Uh, there are a couple of hard parts, but it's not hard. It's, you know, they they certainly they make you wake up early and you go to bed and stand watch and all these things, but and shave your head work for me. Uh, but so they were, <laughs> so they weren't allowed to like make us do push-ups or anything that early of stage. So my company commander came in, we had made some mistakes or whatever. And so he made us hold our little paint pen between our two think, you know, index fingers out in front of us. And I was shocked at how hard that was. Like after like 10 minutes, I'm like, Oh my God, this is, I feel like such a baby right now. <laughs> how is this so hard? Right. But yeah. And- so for, for him, he had us doing that, uh, but this was like wooden, like big, heavy bow staffs, like real oak. So it's, it's yep. a heavy rod. And every time we always knew it, he, it would say 30 minutes. It was not a 30 minute class kind of thing. And he was very angry. So early 2000s, he essentially comes in with us like a baton, just takes out the back of my knee because I guess I raised a little and I couldn't notice it. And it was one of those, I get back and I hunker down. And he's like, you know why I did that? I'm like, I don't know, sir. I just thought you wanted to hit me, sir. And he just knocks me on the floor again. Um, but he essentially said, the reason I did that, it's painful, but you're buckling down. You're telling your mind, no matter what, I have to buckle down. I'm like, oh. And that's just one of those where he tied it together. He's like, even when it's painful, that's when you have to double down kind right. of thing. And he's like, because when in the future, when you look back, you're not going to even realize you're like three miles ahead of yourself. And you're like, oh, I thought I was still like back there. Cool. Yep. And he's like, now that's when you double down again. He's like, you'll, before you know it, by the end of the year, you're like, you beat everyone. And that's it. That's right. always it's, stuck with me. It's double it's, down when it's painful. Right. When you get good at something and it's like working out, you get good at something, you have to increase the weight. You have to run a little bit farther. You get good at running, you run another mile. You get good at lifting, you add more weight to the bar. So because if you don't, you become mediocre, you become complacent, you become comfortable. And that is where when you become comfortable and complacent and mediocre, that's you're going backwards. You're not accomplishing anything. You're actually hurting yourself. And people want to be comfortable. But you like I have gone back and forth on this and and really like. Once you get comfortable being uncomfortable, you kind of like it. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I like that. I like, I like the way that I feel, especially when I'm done, like the the amount of accomplishment that I've gotten, whether it's like reading, writing some sort of like email series, or if it's like, 
you know, going for a run right now, I'm, I'm training up to, to do a, a swim across the Hudson river. I did it last year, uh, with a, with a bunch of guys. It's a, it's a charity event. Uh, it's a GI go fund and they help out veterans and first responders with, you know, learning new trades, uh, helping out with, uh, some housing. If, if guys are homeless, guys and girls are homeless, uh, helping them find new jobs or, and things like that. Um, and so this is a, it's a charity event to raise money to support that organization. And so it's about a three mile run and it's about a three mile swim and in the swim. So you swim out, you, you start in New Jersey. We do about a two mile run to a, one from one park to the next. So get in the water. We swim out to a barge in front of the statue of Liberty. We do a hundred pushups and 22 pull-ups. Uh, then we get back in the water for uh and swim to another barge in front of ellis island another 100 push-ups and 22 pull-ups the 22 pull-ups of course is the the 22 veterans a day and then we get back in the water and we swim to lower manhattan uh to the 9-11 memorial where we do another 100 uh push-ups and 22 pull-ups and then we go to then we run down to uh uh and and put flags uh at the at the 9-11 memorial and so it's a big charity event. And uh, so I'm, I'm training for that right now. And I haven't swam in the ocean really since I did this last year. And I like I, you know, two days ago, I went down. I mean, the ocean's like 15 minute walk from my house. And uh, but I was like, oh, my God, this is hard. So now I have to get back and I have to like, you know, get comfortable, you know, being uncomfortable swimming in the ocean, in the in the, you know, choppy you know, I'm not swimming in a pool. I'm swimming like out in open water and it's, it's hard. Oh, it's you a know, totally I, different game. And it's not a lake either. It's not like, you know, pond water. It's like, you know, there's currents and I'm like, I'm, I'll be swimming and I'll look up and I'm like, dude, I haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> so I have to like work even harder to get past where the current is pulling me. So, uh, but when I finish, I feel really good. I feel good that I, you know, I got a good workout in. I feel good because I did something that was hard. Um, and, you know, I, I sleep better at night too. You know, one, it's, it's good for the brain and it's good for the body. So I'm always trying to like, there's nothing mediocre about getting out there in the ocean and swimming. There are people who claim to be, or people call, you know, the hardest man in the world or whatever. And they're terrified of the water. So I, you know what, if you, if you, if something scares you, this is a Again, going back to exposing your fears. I, I don't really like swimming that much. I can. Uh, I'm not a great swimmer, but I can. And I know that it scares me. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go swim. Oh, like just... It's super easy to like, because it costs me money to go and, and be a part of that event and, and you know, airfare and, and they cover hotels, which is, which is good. But, uh, you know, still, it's, it, it costs me money. So I'm, I'm really putting myself out there and like, I can't show up and it's easy for me to not show up and not participate. No one's going to know. No one's going to judge me. No one's going to be like, Oh, of course you didn't fly from Hawaii to New Jersey to swim across the Hudson river. Of course. But now that I have done it once and I'm doing it again this year, it's like, I, I do it for me and I do it for the organization. So, and it scares me. I don't like swimming. It's so funny um, to I hear. Do it. It's so funny to hear as a seal because like you're notorious for swimming and scuba diving, which is funny that you don't like swimming or scuba diving. Right. I'm not. I'm not a fan. <laughs> no, I can do it, and but I don't like it. 
<laughs> because it's hard. Well, it is. And I'm not good at it. So how did you get around that? I'm just curious when you were in service. I just I just did it. I mean, I liked the fact that I was like in, in training, um, you know, you just do it like this is part of it. And it's cool because I, that's one step closer to graduation, one step closer to the goal. And, you know, the goal is you think it's graduation. It's not like the goal is like getting to the team. And then at the team, you like, you know, I want to be a sniper. I want to be a breacher. I want to be a I want to go to combat. I want to whatever. I want to get right. better at shooting. Um, I want to be a sniper instructor. I want, you know, like the goal keeps moving. You have those false peaks and you never really, you know, there's never, it's always these false peaks. It's never the peak because once you hit the peak, there's nowhere else to go, but down. So you should always be climbing. That's that right. medi- mediocrity is, is like, Oh, I'm, I'm at the top. There's nowhere else to go. There's always someplace to go. Right. Yeah, if you can't you find a new place, kind of thing, beat that yeah. mountain. Like oh, I'm this... gonna run down here and go up that mountain over there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's this podcaster I used to follow. He uh, hardcore into climbing, but he he never served military, but he has a very militaristic mindset. I think that's why I liked him a lot. And that right. was the thing because he was having to cancel like two weeks worth because he was going to Mount Blanc. And he's like, uh, he said after that, he's like, once I get there, he's like, I'm not even worried. He's like, I'm going for Everest next. He's like, just, I am. He's like, I know it's going to be a little harder. It's going to take me longer, but he's like, I'm going for Everest. He's like, then he's like, whatever mountain in Chile, which is technically the biggest mountain. And he's like, then I'm going for that one. And I'm like, wow, yeah. you like the, you're not always, you're not like fully satisfied. You're like you're happy you made it, but then it's like, all right, next, what do I do? Right. Kind What's of thing. next? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Other than that, um, the, uh, you we mentioned earlier uh, potential details that, um, that you were thinking for me. What were some of them you were thinking, or did we totally just right past them? I think we we went past them. All right, good. Never mind. Screw it. I'll figure it out later. Um. So, what are some? You you mentioned it earlier, and you mentioned it again. What was it that your Japan story you wanted to tell me, or was that the whole Japan story? Oh, that was it. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I went to, uh, I was stuck on a ship. They weren't, no one, my commanding officer said, yeah, I think you, if you want to be a SEAL, you can. But I went to this school, which there were only a few of us that had this qualification that had been to the school. So the Navy was like, yeah, no, you're not, you're too critical to the Navy. You're, you're an asset. So you have to stay in this job and I could go to another ship, uh, to do the same job, but they weren't going to like say you're not gonna they weren't gonna like cut me loose to go to to seal training they're like no you're too you're too critical so i had to like no was not accept an acceptable answer to me yes like how do i get to yes how do i get to go to seal training and then again you know once i got to seal training it still took me 13 months to complete a six-month block of training because i got injured a bunch and you know yeah it's crazy what uh, they go through through boot camp. I, I watched the documentary on seals, but like the boot camp of them in the uh, the field. But I'm like, my grandfather, who was an army, he's like, they can't even explain half the shit they're going through right now. Because like there was one that randomly screen pans over to these guys, night vision and everything. They're pouring Tabasco in their eyes to stay awake, and he's like, that's for them. Yes, it's painful, 
but he's like, have you noticed they're not flinching either? I'm like, yeah. He's like, they're hard. And he's like, I'd never fuck with those guys in the field. And he's like, I was in Korea. He's like, it was a brutal war, but he's like, those seals, when we knew they were coming, we just had to hold down. We knew those, those badass motherfuckers were going to fix everything kind of thing. Laying, laying waste. Yeah. I had, a, I had a buddy who went through ranger school. He was a seal. He went through ranger school. And uh, cause we, someone had the bright idea that they thought that ranger school would teach them more leadership kind of does maybe. Uh, but he would, he would take Tabasco sauce and like put it in his eyes to stay awake at night. Yeah. And I just, uh, there was um, one point when I, I did like a three day shift at my security gig, I was, and I, I was finally going home, but I was falling asleep behind the wheel. So I had a Tabasco for some reason I put it in. And I'm like half blind trying to drive and like going everywhere. I'm like, yeah, that was a terrible idea. Not recommended. Yeah. No, no. I try this at home. I mean, what? maybe try it at home. Don't certainly don't try, try it while you're driving. You should live stream it on Twitch and see what everyone laugh at you. Right. But, um, but it was his comment where he's, um, he said like, we knew even as the army and he's like, some of the guys he was with were like Marines too. And he's like, we all knew we heard the seals. It's like, we all just shut the fuck up and let them do what they're going to do. He's like, because they, he's like, they way outrank us in knowledge and tactics. Like they, I'm like, okay. Being a young kid, I'm like, this is cool. I'm hearing more stories kind of thing. Right. Then, um, but the, I want to get into the, um, the anxiety of, yep. um, as a soldier for you, it's, it's like we were mentioning pretty much throughout this whole thing, anxiety, especially for a man in your position, it's pretty much always there in a sense. Uh, it's one of those is stressor. How did you get over the, the anxiety and depression? Um, the, well, no, sorry. How did you cope with it? Realize it was a problem and then get over it. So I was coping with it with alcohol, pharmaceuticals, things like that. And uh, CBD, again, CBD helped me just to get into a better mindset. And it didn't fix me. CBD didn't fix me. I had to fix me. But CBD, it was, it was a modality. And again, it was, you know, part of it was like figuring out what my mission was. What's my why? And because I was used to just doing stuff. I'm not a nine to five, you know, kind of guy. Uh, I can do it. But, you know, in the military, you're, you do, there are roles where you can be nine to five, but really I don't, there's no overtime. There's no like extra pay. You just get paid what you get paid and you go in and you perform. And so I have that same mentality. Like it didn't stop doing that when I got out of the military, I just had to find my mission and, and, and focus on it. So I, once I found my mission, now I'm able to like, now the anxiety that I have, maybe there's like some triggers that are out there. Um, there I'm like, I need to get this done. I need to get this done. And so I, I take that energy and I focus it on getting that thing done. My ADD gets in the way sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. it's really like harnessing that, that energy. That's a complete waste of energy and pointing it to, to something that is productive and is valuable. And that's going to, you know, push me forward in whatever way. So I'm curious for you from your, um, your statement. And I've, I've kind of caught on to that with your stories. How did you 
with your ADHD, how did you plan? How did you have goals without the stereotypical getting squirreled and looking at something else kind of thing? Um, I would say uh, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I didn't even know I had ADD until I was at the TBI clinic and they did a neuropsyche eval and they're like, oh yeah, you, you score really high on like IQ and things like that. But anytime you like are attention, you're like pretty much at the bottom. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Uh, so there are, some of it just comes back to discipline. And I, I, so I used to have a PhD, a public high school diploma. I still do actually. And, uh, but I, I also took my last three years in the, in the military while I was traveling all over, I was doing a lot of science and technology stuff. I also got my, my, um, my bachelor's and my master's in, in three years of, of, uh, of school. Um, and what I learned is I learned that I, one of the ways that I'm able to like lock down and focus on a project is I have, I don't even know where I got the playlist from, but I'll put my headphones on and I will turn on. It's like German techno something soundtrack. Okay. And when I like put that on and just start working, I'm able to like shut everything else out in my, in my life, like in the world, like no, no one, like I'm like, it's total blinders. And it allows me to like, just focus on like writing. Like I don't listen to music with words because that's distracting. That will make me like start singing the song. I listen to music that is very kind of high tempo. Um, whether it's like death metal or, or techno or whatever, but it's a high tempo and it, whatever it does to my brain, it just helps me to like focus in on like completing a, a project. So that's what works for me. It doesn't work for everyone, but that's what I found that, that works really well for me for focusing on getting something done that needs to get done. That's interesting. So I've noticed a very similar treat from like feet for me, but I never knew it was that. Um, like I used to listen to like really fast EDM techno music, um, but also really fast metal, but I would always get stuff done quick. And it was just one of those, I always thought it was just, Oh, okay. I'm like, I'm listening to music. I'm in my zone kind of thing. But I also noticed like when I was lifting, I realized I had a whole different playlist. Like it was just pure anchor. Like if you try to sure. find anything happy about that playlist, there was nothing. And I realized like at one point I need to get myself back to it. I was deadlifting like 350 pounds, just no problem. But I was just like balls to the wall, raging as hard as I could. And now it's one of those, cause I don't listen to that as often. I'm like, wow, that's really hard to do now. Now that makes sense. Now for me, I need to make, I need to make a playlist kind of thing. Yeah. So I, and again, I don't really know where I got that playlist from. It's just on my phone and I like anytime I'm working on any project and my family, they know, they know if I, they apparently I play it so loud that they can hear it outside my headphones. And so they're like, if they <laughs> oh, hear the playlist. music, they're just, no one bothers me. Is it just, is it like a Spotify playlist or is it like an actual? No, it's like, like I think, I think I got it. So once upon a time, 
Um, we could use like thumb drives and things like that and plug them into government computers. Can't do that anymore. Um, <laughs> but, you know, people would put diff- like overseas on deployment, they would put different playlists. Uh, they would put, you know, movies on the on the shared drive. And, you know, we would go in and like, you know, download the movies and go watch it, you know, in your tent or whatever, in your trailer, depending where you were staying. Uh, or right there on the computer while you're there's nothing really happening uh, in this admin setting that you know while guys are out outside the the, the fence doing good work uh, and so I think I got it from one of those deployments I don't really know where or which one um, and I just like it was on my computer and then it you know crossed over to my phone so it's it's been on my phone for I mean I'm still rocking an iPhone five uh, probably really probably upgrade that this year um, we'll see. But uh, yeah, so it's just been on my phone for years. And like, I've just noticed that I'll go back to that to anytime I need to like focus on something. If I'm like trying to get a project done, doesn't matter what it is, write something. Um, that's what I'll do is I'll, I'll turn on that playlist, that German techno. And, uh, and that, that just helps me focus in on what I need to do. That's so much insight. There's probably some other people like writing down like, okay, I need to read, like do this playlist again. But uh, yeah, I mean, really just figure out what works for you and, and go from there. But for me, I can't have any, any, any lyrics. It's just the, the, the music, the beat, the whatever it is. And I just, I mean, I can feel it like, and if I'm, if I don't have access to a phone or something, I've listened to it so much, I can kind of close my eyes and like play it in my head and, have almost as good of an effect not as good but right the real thing is better it's like a photocopy after you do it so many times like but if i can like at least turn off the sound that's around me you know because i am you know very distracting distracted (laughs) yes um it sounds silly could you email me that (laughs) i have no idea how to do that but i'll see if i can okay i'll have to explain this off air (laughs) But, um, dude, that's okay. That's so many good insights and nuggets right there. I feel like I'm going to start repeating myself. So, um, I, uh, like some going out questions for you. Send them. Perfect. So other than work, what have you been doing during this lockdown time to keep busy? Uh, work really just trying to grow. Okay. So I, I, I started naked warrior recovery. I, I launched it, um, March 1st of 2020. So, the lockdown happened right after that. So that gave me opportunity to, to try to figure it, figure it out. Um, but I like to surf and I like to work out. Those are, I, and I'm trying to get back into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's just kind of hard here in Hawaii because um, masks and all that nonsense. You guys so. still have masks? You know, I just, I just did it. Like I just flew to um, all over the U.S. a few weeks ago. And the entire country was open, no masks, whatever. And I come back here. They made me go into 10 days of quarantine because I didn't get a negative COVID test before flying back. And yeah, we still have to wear masks when you walk into any building for the most part. Okay. I thought California was like super woke and shit. Okay. They they are, they are, they are, but um, Hawaii is more, paranoid mother i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it alone okay I, I mean but but i mean had there not been so much pressure on the the governor there in california i think 
uh, you would still be wearing masks. Oh, absolutely. Um, like, yeah. there's a lot of pressure on the governor right now. So, oh, I bet. I mean, for us at my current job, like I, everyone's scared of the Delta variants, and I'm like, guys, I freaking got this shit from work. If I'm gonna get it again, it's gonna be from work. I think so. It's all your dumbass. The faults. Delta variant. It's yeah, whatever. They're, you know what it is? It's it's the media drives all of this. The media drives it. Fear sells. It does. And they're like, oh, we don't have anything. Oh, the, the, the Delta variant. Let's focus on that. So, yeah. fear. Fear. It is, um, when I was talking to uh, someone, it was just one of those, I'm like, because they're like, oh, the governments want to control. I'm like, it'd be nice kind of thing, but it's what really are you listening to? Are you actually going to CDC? And they're like, no, I'm like, exactly. CNN, Fox, they don't give a shit. They know for yourselves because if you're emotional, you're going to go to the message. I'm like, they just want to sell you ads. They're just fear mongering the shit out of you. But um, of course, that's where, um, yeah, that's how you control. That's how you control the masses. You create fear. You give them hope, hope. If you're good and you let the this tyrannical dictator take over, it's okay. Gonna say. Um, so we pretty much the whole episode was it. But what is specific? What would you recommend someone aspiring to be like you, of a, a, a seal athlete? Like you, just say you look like an athlete. Um, a successful businessman in the sense that you are sustaining yourself off your work, what would you recommend that to them? Like the highlights? I would say, don't be like me, be better than me. <laughs> okay. Um, I would say if you have a goal, if you have something that you want to do, just go do it. Don't listen to anyone else. Cause there's a lot of people who told me I would never be a Navy SEAL. You know, the Navy was like, oh, you're too, you're too critical in this other role. I uh, had other people, they were like, I mean, when I joined the Navy, no one even knew what really what a Navy SEAL was. I'd kind of told people and I'm like, you can't do that. You're never going to make it through that. Who the hell are you? And why, why would you even think that? So, so many people, and I knew, and I ran into guys that had gone to SEAL training and quit. And they're like, oh, you're never going to make it. It's too hard. It's not, it's not, there's nothing in the world that's too hard. You just make a plan and you attack it every single day. And then when you reach that goal, you start the next goal. And so that's, it, it doesn't matter what you want to do, what you want to aspire to be, just go do it. You can, you will, but you have to have a plan and you have to execute the plan every single day. Brilliant. Love it. Um, where can everyone get you? And I was meeting to ask you earlier, what is your CBD product too? Uh, so I have, I have a whole line of CBD products. You could go to my website. It's nw-recovery.com. Or you can write in nakedwarriorrecovery.com. I just thought that, you know, I changed it to NW-recovery because maybe people don't want to write naked into their search engine. <laughs> yeah. It, you my, know, my pull you know up I mean? something else. I, yeah. So, but if you write naked warrior recovery or nw-recovery.com, uh, that's my website. And uh, you can see all, all of our products on there. I am checking that out right now. Um, any social medias they could also hit you up on? Or I'm my, mostly on Instagram, uh, naked warrior at naked warrior recovery. Okay. Is, uh, the best place to, to find me website, Instagram. I also have Facebook, but like I, like I said earlier, 
I don't do, I don't do a lot on there. Whatever I post on Instagram, I post on Facebook, I post on LinkedIn, I post on um, TikTok. Sometimes I even have a TikTok channel Ooh. Uh, where I've and and the reason and this is a marketing thing. And someone's told me that you get the most organic reach on TikTok, um, either TikTok or Instagram Reels. So if I if I create a video that is kind of where I said something smart or you know might might do well, then I'll post it on TikTok also. Sorry, the, the dogs are barking. Uh, yeah, no, that's the biggest one. It's okay. Dumb thing. You're going to see it. TikTok finds people that are interested, like they want to be your friend kind of thing or right. whatever's relevant to them. I posted a video of just the fish, which you've probably seen them throughout this whole video. That freaking video got 500 views, but me just talking, I only get like 50. That's sort of like, I just sat there. I'm like, I would never guess that there's literally a minimum of 500 people interested in fish that much. That's funny. Thing. So I have a friend and she's actually in my, in my mastermind group and one of my business coaching uh, groups. And she has a TikTok, uh, huge TikTok following. And her name is Glenda Baker. She's a real estate agent out of Atlanta, Georgia. And I, she's like, she's well over millions. She's got millions of views at this point. And she mm-hmm. just does like 60 second videos where she just talks about real estate and she's gotten 30, like she got, I think her most recent deal that she's gotten from, from, uh, uh, from TikTok is a guy is trying to buy a $34 million house. And he, and he so- reached out to her because he saw her videos on TikTok. And so she's going to, yeah. Or selling it. I don't remember like which Something. way it, it's going, but yeah. She was like, so how did you find me? He was like on TikTok. <laughs> oh shit. So I would recommend uh, everyone to go check out Glenda Baker. It's Glenda with two N's and, uh, and just like look at her videos and look at the content that she puts out there. And as far as like, you know, creating content, just look at what she does and, and, and model what she's doing. I'm, I'm even trying to do that. So that's awesome. Uh, I would definitely love to get you on in the future. Sure. If it's good with you. Yeah. William, it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure to have you on. I appreciate awesome. your insights and knowledge. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Awesome. Stay safe and stay well. Well, congratulations. You made it to the end. You're a awesome person. Not many make it here. So being the awesome person that you are, can you do me one more awesome favor can you rate and review this on whatever podcast uh, services you're using? Um, app, if you do it on Apple uh, and you leave an actual written review, um, I have a thing on my website. I will take your written review and post it for all to see. Congratulations. You're permanently sealed on my site. Otherwise, um, I am trying to do YouTube more and live streaming. Um, I will try to put as many of the YouTube links in the description of the show as I can. So give your boy uh, some extra help over on um, YouTube. Watch my videos. I, mean, I just mute it and change the channel, <laughs> change the, the window or something. But yeah, um, that's it. Thank you for being awesome and see you next time.